think I'm doing those eyes. <laughs> I think I'm in love. It was terrifying. The pain, the, the fear of being eaten. I was drowning at the same time. I just accepted that I was going to die. Was there a bit of fandom for you when it came on? Oh, huge. Not- and I did not try to hide. <laughs> did not try to hide at all. Out of the box with Serge Negus on FBI. Sydney Music and Culture News. If you missed anything she played, you can head to fbiradio.com and catch up on mornings or any other program on FBI. Now, imagine living in Australia for 15 years as an illegal immigrant, in constant fear of being deported, dodging immigration, even having to lie constantly, even to your family and relatives. Just crazy, crazy stuff. Well, this is a story of Umit Bali. He began his life in Australia at 13 after escaping Fiji during the coups there. Umit moved here with his two parents seeking refuge and hoping for a better life, but our tough immigration system definitely didn't make it easy. Umit, thanks for coming on the show, mate. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Now, look, before we get stuck into the crazy immigration avoiding illegal immigrant days, because they're bloody chaotic, what exactly was your life like for your family when you were in Fiji before you came out? We, my dad's parents were, my dad's dad was really, really well off. He, he had this thing where he, uh, he used to take, uh, people's land and then build like, he was a carpenter, so he used to build, <clears throat> he used to build like a, a big property and then cut it up and then sell it off and everything else. And my dad was kind of like the black sheep of the family. He always got into trouble and everything else. Uh, well, for me growing up personally, we were, we weren't very rich and we, uh, got by with what we had. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was, and my dad was a cab driver. My mom didn't have much of an education. So pretty much, um, yeah, very low income. And paint us a picture of what that was like for you as a kid. Like, was it a fun childhood? Uh, when I was a kid, it was a fun because, you know, when you're a kid, you can make fun of anything. So I used to just grab like a stick that looked like a gun and pretend that was a gun (laughs) or any kind of toy, something like that. But, uh, yeah, it it was, uh, growing up, it was like, you know, we always have relatives that were overseas and they'd come over and they'd always like say all, tell us all these nice stories about overseas and how like, you know, their fridges are stocked with grapes and chocolates and stuff like that. <laughs> and it was like a dream to just think about that. Like my, I used to have relatives that used to come over after Easter and I hated it when they came after Easter because they used to bring the discount chocolates mm-hmm. or Easter eggs. And I hated Easter eggs because they were so hollow. They were so mis- misguided because I like the block chocolates because it's just full of thick block chocolate. <laughs> but the Easter eggs were always like hollow. So I hated them. So Fair yeah. Enough. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> and I mean, then Fiji, a lot of people probably don't realize it here in Australia, you know, being the kind of beautiful tropical holiday destination it is, that it's incredibly unstable politically and there are often coups. Hmm. I mean, what was your first experience like that as a kid when you first realized that this place was a bit chaotic? I think when... Uh, when I was a kid, I was I was a baby when the like one of the one of the coups happened that my parents were involved in, and my mom said she was holding me and running and hiding with the neighbors who were native, so that you know they wouldn't get uh, put into trouble. But then also like if you're if you're Indian, <laughs> on the, on that note actually, yeah. like tell us about your background because you know Fiji obviously there's like the indigenous Fijians and then mm. there's also a big community of Indians like you're saying. So you just can you tell us why there's a big community of Indians in in Fiji? Yes, uh, Indians were brought over to Fiji uh, as indentured laborers mm. to work on the sugarcane plantations, which is kind of like slavery, but with a contract. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and after like, f- after four, four, 40 years or whatever, when the, when the contract was up, they were like, you know, they weren't, they were mistreated. They weren't paid really well and, uh, everything else like that. But what happened was when they were brought over, the, the people that were brought over were like really poor, you know, and 
criminals as well and stuff like that. So like you know they, they're looking for a better life. So this they were promised this better life with pay and housing and everything. But when they came to Fiji, what they got was like a like a very small room and then labor whipped and a lot of wow. uh, uh, stuff done against them. You know they didn't get paid. A lot of people didn't get paid for the whole forty years. And then when the time came to leave, they didn't have the money to pay to because they had to pay their own passage back to India. So wow. they were like, now nah, we'll just stay. Oh, it's crazy. <clears throat> it's insane. Mm. And so then I guess like for your family, then at, the, at what point did it get desperate where you were like, okay, we've got to leave here? And why did you decide to leave? Uh, well, my my parents, we have a lot of relatives that were going overseas. And my mom, my dad just was like, you know, we're not going to have, because like my dad was a cab driver and he used to work a lot of hours and not really get anything. All the money that we used to make used to go into maintaining the, maintain the cab or trying to just get by and it was like all our relatives were overseas and it was like if we go overseas that's going to be a better life a better situation for us and more opportunities there as well you know because uh it was harder to get what we wanted to in fiji mm. yeah now look we've got to get onto the music and just a little bit of a heads up to our listeners you've selected a playlist that is very much tongue-in-cheek as you are a comedian <laughs> now could you tell us Try to be. just like if the first song for example you're going to play for us is mc hammer you can't touch this yes i can kind of understand that like, you maybe you pick this because you know immigration is constantly after you when you're here in australia like why'd you pick it i picked this song because like uh when we used to um when we would do an application when you do your application you get like a uh, what do you call it? A temporary visa. So every time you get a temporary visa, it's uh, a visa to stay in Australia while they're processing your uh, your application, right? And our lawyer told us that you know they're gonna say no. They they're gonna say no. So we just have to wait it out, and hopefully we can drag it out for as long as we want. So every time we used to go to the immigration building, we usually used to get like two weeks or three weeks of uh, of a visa, and then we had to come back after two three weeks and it was so stressful right but every now and again we'll get like a really really nice immigration officer uh uh usually a white guy for some reason and <laughs> and he'd be he'd give us like three months and we when we used to get the three months we used to walk out of that building like you know we're like oh like we got because like, it was like you know we got three months we, we can like we can be free we can we don't have to stress about it for like two weeks and we got to go back and we got three months we, it's a, it was like breathing space we go out and we know so when we would we walk out of the immigration building after getting like a three-month visa even though it was going to end up being the, the application got to be declined the fact that we had three months time period to stay <laughs> we walked out of there feeling like this song you can't touch this you can't touch this Touch this. Can't touch this. My, 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 my music hits me so hard. Makes me say, oh my lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I doing? Give me a song, a rhythm, making them sweat, that's what I'm giving them now. 
You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today is comedian Umit Bali, a refugee who moved to Australia when he was only 13 with his family but was forced to live as an illegal immigrant for 15 years. Now, how did your family exactly make the move from Fiji to Australia? And, like, at first, was it illegal? Did you, what sort of visa were you on? Uh, we were on a tourist visa. So uh, it's like in Fiji, we have, like, everyone, I think, in Australia believes there's, like, a due process and everything that you do that you come over here. But in Fiji, it's more like, you know, get out in whichever way you can if you want to get out and leave. Uh, so you have people who are, like, doctors and lawyers and, like, have trades and qualifications that are valuable to another country and they will, you know, suck those people out of there. It's easier to get out that way. Then you have people who don't have any other things but they have money so they can bribe someone or they can you know get a divorce get a marriage of convenience and then come here and then bring the spouse over and stuff like that. for our for my family um we didn't have a, a lot of those options so we were like we kept on trying to go to uh, america or new zealand or australia and then uh we cop we got a 
my dad, he ended up making friends with uh, some this guy. He, my, my dad was a cab driver. He picked up this guy that got bashed. It was taking him to the hospital. Turned out it was a guy from his high school. Right? And, then, <laughs> and they started catching up. And then, uh, and then you know, found out my dad found out that he works in immigration. And my dad started telling him all all these all these problems that we have and trying to leave trying to leave Fiji. And then he's like, you know, bleeding from his nose. But he's like, yeah, fine, let's catch up. Uh, so they caught up. And then, and then my dad was able to get a tourist visa for the whole family to come over here. And that's how we came over here. Because in Fiji, it's really, really hard to get a tourist visa for the whole family because uh, they know you ain't coming back. Mm. You know, so mm. if you want to get a visa, you, you can, you can, but you get it for like half the family, you know, so you always have to like leave one kid behind, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not that we have favorites. So that's their way, of, their okay. way of stopping people from just staying over when they come on tourist visas. It's twisted, isn't it? Mm. Oh my God. Wow. 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 And I mean, in terms of Australia as a place to, you know, want to find refuge for your family, I mean, you, you did have family here already, you did have relatives here already, right? But was that the main reason that you thought that Australia was the place to be in? No, I don't think so. I think the main reason was because you can just come here and breathe easy. Like, you know, you can, mm. we can, we're like, you know, like, <laughs> I got a little sister. She's born here, right? We wake up every morning and we, we live in an apartment and we go, wow, how good it is to live in this apartment. It's so good to be in this apartment. And my little sister, she's born here. She wakes up and she's like, oh, I hate this apartment. <laughs> you know, so it's that kind of a thing. So for us, it was like, it was going to, when we came over here, even if, even if we are, living very uh like what is it low, uh, what do you call it when you're blue collar low collar what is it yeah, working, working class, class when you yeah. yeah when you even when you're working class here you still have a yeah. a comfortable situation than you would mm. be if you were in fiji so that was the main reason just to come and my dad kept on saying to me oh son you're gonna have so many opportunities so many opportunities and i was like yeah it's great dad but you know that would involve studying uh but yeah anyway so so yeah so those were the main reasons he wanted my dad wanted to come here because he, he thought it'd be good opportunities for us and it'd be just more comfortable situation now look moving on to the music again the next song you've got for us captain jack captain jack very funny song we'll probably we might not play all of this one we might fade it down at some it's point very it's, repetitive, a, yes. it's very <laughs> repetitive but it's a very funny song and it paints a picture of i guess you know being on the run right yes yes which is, this is pretty much when uh, this is about when we, my family and i we were like when we have a a visa and then would like uh it would finish then we go get another visa and we and then when that finished when the application actually got denied and we had that like gap where we didn't have we got a departing so application gets denied and then you're supposed to lodge an application to leave you're supposed to get a visa to leave Mm. and then once that visa to leave runs out you're pretty much in hiding Mm. uh so when we were in hiding this song like pretty much replicates what we're in hiding because what would involve after that was that we would have to move house find another apartment move all our stuff over there uh you know tell all our friends that we uh were living somewhere Somewhere else rather than where we were and so yeah so this song was like in- encapsulates like just that intenseness as soon as it happened hey yo captain jack hey yo captain jack bring me back to the railroad track bring me back to the railroad track run into the railroad track run along with captain jack run into the peace come back run along with captain jack If that that song doesn't paint the picture of an illegal immigrant on the run, then I really don't know what does. (laughs) But you're listening to Out of the Box at FBI Radio, and my name is Serge Negus, obviously. My guest today is comedian Amit Bali, who moved out to Australia when he was only 13 with his family, um, but was forced to live as an illegal immigrant for 15 years. Now, when you first moved out here, um, I mean, I imagine it would have been pretty, pretty different culturally for you. I mean, what was that like? 
It was a lot of white people. Uh, that was definitely <laughs> the case. Uh, you know, because like in Fiji, you hardly didn't see white, white people. But when you did see them, they were wearing like really colorful shirts, either on holiday, you know, and they'd be like really happy and smiling. And you get taught as a kid, you know, like it's really important to smile at white people. You see white people, <laughs> you smile and wave. They teach you in all the schools. You know, they're much better than us. They tell us that they're much better than us. Yeah. So, so yeah. So when I came here, I was just like smiling and waving at everybody. I was like, ah! so, and um, yeah, and. Uh, that, that was that was probably the first cultural shock. The first cultural shock was how far away everything was. Cause like, yeah. I remember getting getting on off Sydney Airport and like catching the the the, the car ride home, and it was just it just took so long. Like it was like <laughs> it, I, I remember like taking that much time just to get across Fiji, yeah. right? And 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 all the like all the houses here have very similar body types. Like it's like a brick with the with the tiles, brick tiles, brick. It's like you you get so bored of just looking like different. You get different shade of brown. That's great. But like you know in Fiji because you got limited resources, or you do what you can. All the houses are like on a tin roof, or like this side's broken, or this is happening, or like the windows have like something on it. So it's like every every house is like a Picasso. Right? Over, <laughs> over here, every house is like just done like a motique. I don't know if the yeah, motif yeah. is right. Yeah, okay. It's just I made gentrified. It it's just boring. Mm. It's, just, <laughs> it's it's just so white. You're right. It's just there's no nothing to it. But I mean, like, were there anything? Was there anything that you struggled with as well? You know? Yeah. When I went to high school, it was really hard because, like, when Fiji, when I finished, when we when we came over, straight away, I uh, I wasn't in high school in Fiji. So when I came here, I went into high school straight away. But I also like missed out on eight months of school. So when I went in, I had I had uh, I was way behind. Plus, also just the differences that are in Fiji, uh, compared to Fiji to over here. Like, you know, over here, like I, they don't do this in Fiji anymore. But over here, you know, the teachers they don't hit you. In Fiji, the teachers used to hit you. Over here, the bullies hit oh. you, which is, you know, um, not an okay <laughs> trade-off, I guess. But they were, and, I, and, and, and the first time I came came to one of the schools, I, I, first I went to the in, intensive I, English center, which is the IEC, uh, the, where they go and you're supposed to learn English before you go to a regular mm. school. That was fine because you're just in a melting pot with, like, different cultures and everything. And you just basically, you, like, you learn English, but then you learn swear words in every other language. Mm. Uh, and then and then we went to, when I went to high school, um, yeah, it was very different to to like all, all the people like uh, uh, I, we had a tour guide like the guy that showed me around he showed me around the whole place where, where everything was and then he goes to me oh and that's where the Indian people hang out right? oh wow you're kidding me yeah but he was Filipino right. so I guess he's got that race thing okay so how, was it was it so um, I guess culturally and racially structured in that regards like because that's intense right I thought like you know why do all, why do I have to hang out with all the Indian people you know like I don't like most like uh, like, like I don't <laughs> Like I might not like so so when it came to ha- I came, came time to hang out with them I was hanging out with them and like you know some of them from like you know India India yeah. and I was like I, I have nothing in common with you I'm more in common with an Islander yeah, than yeah, I do yeah, with, than I do with an Indian and uh, so I ended up hanging out with my own group with people that because it was so hard to like like I remember like first week in school some guy pulled me aside he goes Umit pull pull your socks down because I had my socks up he goes pull your socks down <laughs> right untuck your shirt all right and and put your lunchbox in your bag otherwise you're gonna you're gonna get bashed really soon right. <laughs> So so that's so that's what he taught me, and and I and I did that, and, and that worked. But then I, I ended up, I, and I was so hard to be uh, friends with the popular kids because it was like they would be popular, but then you had to have this like you had to act a certain way, and the whole. And I saw one popular like I saw one kid getting teased for doing something, and then a popular kid did it, and everybody was raving about it. It was so cool. I'm like, this is that, that's just bullshit. But <laughs> they're doing is crap. So I ended up just making friends with uh, people who I could just hang out with and be by myself, and we became kind of like the in betweeners kind of a crew, nice. like very diverse, very. Uh, you know, weird, weird kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I made friends with the Yugoslavian guy. Well, it's not called Yugoslavia awesome. anymore. But yeah, he, he works at Google. Very smart guy, like really yeah. good in physics. Uh, I always talk about him when people want to say what I've accomplished in my life. So, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you've done something by association if you made exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and, uh, and, and we had another guy who was uh, Aussie and he was into computers and another guy who's from India, but he, he didn't fit in with the other guy, so he, he hung out with us. And then we had another guy who was into philosophy and his whole idea was like... Sounds like an awesome good It was friend. so good, man. Like, I, used to, I used to sit in class with him in maths and we never used to do any work. He just we used to just think about stuff and just ask weird questions and everything. And like right now, he lives, he lives a pretty nomadic life. He's a butcher and we don't stay in contact. He doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't have uh, internet. But every three and three years, like I'll run into him and we'll catch up because his whole idea is like, you know, none of this matters. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so he's got that mindset. So nice. it, was, it was pretty, pretty nice little group. That's awesome. Now, look, moving on to the songs again. The next song you've got for us, No Limit Why by Two Unlimited. Why'd you bring this song on? Okay, so when we were in Fiji and we finally got the tourist visa to come to Australia for the whole family, you know, and my mom was like, you know, oh, we're going to have to set up all our stuff. We're going to have to make plans and this, and this is a tourist visa. What if we go then it doesn't work out? What if your family doesn't want to sponsor us, which they didn't? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they, they were like, yeah, come over, come over. Yeah, they were, and the, the back of their head, they're like, they're never going to make it. They, they, you know? <laughs> and then we turned up and they're like, ah. Yeah. So, yeah, so my mom was like really worried about it. you know. And my dad was like, no, 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 it's going to be okay. It's going to work out. It's going to be fine, you know. And the way he kind of pushed it for us, the way he motivated us, the way he told us about it was very similar to this song. It's like, nah, forget the family. Forget this. doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter if the government is after us. We will do it. And, we will. and this song pretty much amplifies how he did it, like he's, the way he presented it to us. when he was 13 with his family from Fiji, but ended up having to live as an illegal immigrant for 15 years. Now, on that note, amazingly, you moved houses nine times in 10 years. Yes. Because you're on the run, right, basically? Yes. Tell yes, us yes. about that. Okay, so whenever your application gets rejected, because you've already given them an address for you where you live, you have to like move house to a new address because once the visa of departure is up, you're technically on the run. So they're going to come look for you for the address that you've given them. So you can't be there. Yeah. So you have to move. So every time we would uh, become illegal, we'd have to move and we'd have to find a place to move. And usually it was like just you know, like two streets up uh, from where we're already staying. But yeah, so that's the reason why we moved so many times in so many years. And yeah. And I mean, paint us a picture of how that felt, especially as a young kid, you know, how it felt to be constantly living in fear of being deported back to Fiji. Uh, it was really, uh, okay, so like the part of moving uh, wasn't so stressful after a while because you just you know, got really it. good at like 3D mm. Tetris kind of thing. <laughs> getting how does this get through a door? Get through, man, I'm so good at like moving. Like I go to like when my friends have a... <laughs> Like, some people, my friends will be like, you know, I'm moving house. I'm like, yeah, I'm, ha 
I want to help. I got, I got experience. Dude, you know, I remember once helping my friend move when the move, removal list was there. And they're like, man, you're really good at this. Did you do this with me before? I'm like, nah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But it was, all, it was always really stressful because I got, you know, when, when we had the visa, like when we had the three months thing and we're like calm and everything was like really good. It was good. But then we're like, when it would come to an end, when they'd be like, we know we got the rejection letter and we got like time to leave. And then when we were hiding, when we were running, when we were in a new apartment, we didn't know what, what was going to be the next application that we're going to mm. do or if we're going to get caught and sent back or if we should go back or, um, you know, what's... Uh, yeah, so that... Uh, and you wonder, like, you know, when they're going to find you, how they're going to find you, where they're going to get you. There'd be, like, a van sitting outside the house for, like, four days and we get suspicious about it. Yeah. Turns out there was just junkies. But, uh... <laughs> you get... Well, and you're like, what... You know, and so, so that was... Yeah, that part was really, really stressful. Like, you go into a shopping mall and every time you see people with suits coming up to you, you get scared. Uh, so, yeah, you're always scared of white people in suits for some reason, even though there's, like, diverse mm. amount of people who are in suits who work for immigration. So, yeah. And did you ever have any, like, any close calls in that regard? Like, did you ever have, like, you know, immigration come knocking on the door and you have to like jump out the window or like you know what was the closest call that happened yes okay so immigration did come knocking at the door but our lawyer told us that if that ever happens don't jump out of a window uh, uh, don't run yeah. uh, don't be rude to them be really really nice uh. offer them some tea right so that's kind of like you know you got your kidnappers coming and you're like Dilma uh, <laughs> yeah so, so so these guys so these so yeah so um, we were we were staying at we, were, we were in our house uh so at this point, I have got my permanent residency, and my parents don't, and they're hiding. Oh, okay. with, they're hiding with me, and then there's like a there's like a knock at the door. They found us. They found us because they found them through my my name, and there was like I think five or seven of them. Like there's a couple downstairs, a couple at the back, and then two two or three that came up, and they came into our house, you know, and they started talking to us, and they started like. You know, my sister was there. I, I got a little sister now too. Like I told you guys before, mm. like my sister, mm. she's born here, right? So. My sister was there. I took her to. She went to another room, and then these guys are talking. They're like, "You know, we're going to deport you now. You have been hiding from us. They had like a massive file, a stack right? of files. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So they're like, you know, and uh, and yeah. So everything was uh, set for us to leave. Uh, and I thought that we were going to get. Well, my parents were going to get detained. And then and then the the thing was with my sister. You know, because she, she was born here, she didn't have a visa for Fiji, uh, a passport for Fiji. Mm. And my dad was like, you know, yeah, okay, fine, we'll go. That's it. You know, that's it. We won't stay here anymore. You know, you've finally caught us uh, <laughs> <laughs> very good uh, <laughs> so you know it's like well, but we need to get a passport for my sister so can we can we make that can you give us a, just a bit of a visa so we can make a passport for her and they said yeah all right we'll will so they came in like february uh mm -hmm. late february and they gave my dad uh a visa like like my sister you know she's nine nine years old at this time in, in australia the rule is like if you're nine years old if, if, you, if you're born here in Australia, you're technically still from the same country as your parents if they're immigrants mm. until you turn 10. Oh, wow. I never knew that. Yeah. Well, okay. it used to be if you're born here, you're straight away, uh, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, straight away. Uh, 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 a I'm citizen. A citizen, yeah. Yeah. And, and then a lot of people, you know, used to use that as an excuse. Come mm. here, get pregnant, hide mm -hmm. for a little bit. Baby's born. <laughs> and then, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So our lawyer told us when, when my sister was born, was like, oh, you know, you guys. Just get uh, it at 10. Yeah, yeah. Just get <laughs> it at 10. Just hide it. You know, uh, when we had a like in bubble wrap uh, for her whole life. <laughs> She was a golden ticket. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And she knows that too. Uh, yeah. So, so, she was, so when she turned ten, she was gonna get a citizenship, right? She's nine years old, and uh, immigration. My dad's like talking to them. Oh, I fine. We'll leave. And then, the, so okay, the immigration goes. All right, fine. Get get the passport for your daughter, and then you have to leave. And he gives us uh, a visa to stay. He gives my parents a visa to stay in Australia till the third of March. Mm. And on the first of March, my sister turned ten. So no yeah, as soon as she turned ten, the next day they went. They lost the applications, and the process started. And then, like ten months later, they got their permanent residency. There you my, go. my, the lawyer was like, you know, 
even though this is happening, it still might not happen. So there was yeah. still a bit of like, it wasn't like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, was, mm. it was still like, maybe it'll happen, but it was like... Maybe the government will be bastards and not let you... Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, it was like, a, the he country. actually... Yeah, doc, the, the lawyer was like, you know, it's a 50-50 chance. I'm going to say 60-40 to make you feel better, but it's a 50-50 chance. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, look, moving on, we're going to get into the songs again. The, ne- the next song, this will probably be another one that we fade down. Yeah. Uh, this is Rednecks Cotton Hydro. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> How did you bring this so good? Right. So I'm 17 years old and I was walking around <laughs> in the city and in Sydney and I, I really needed to pee. So I, I, I went into, I went into um, Three Wise Monkeys right? okay. and I did a pee and I came back out and I was like, well, after I came back out, I'm like, hang on, I'm 17 years old. They didn't card me and they let me in, right? Uh, the thing with uh, Three Wise Monkeys back then was like they would card you after 9.30. So the security uh, would start working at 9.30 yeah, yeah. and then they would card you. And then the dancing at level three started at 10. So I was like, oh, wow. You know, this is our chance to do something fun and it's exciting. Because in, in my group, I was the guy that would, you know, organize stuff. And I, my plan was always to have like point A to point, point B. But then in the middle, we're just going to be spontaneous. I didn't mm. want any plan. Anyway, that's not the point. So <laughs> so I went to my friends. I went, all right, guys, the the... Security gets there at 9.30. We got to get there before 9.30 and sneak in. And then we just got to hide out there until the music starts at 10, right? So it was about 7.30. Uh, we, were, we were just outside uh, Three Wise Monkeys. We're getting ready to sneak in. I, I, I got everyone to put a cigarette under their ear. Like, we're trying to look older. We're trying our yeah, best yeah. to look older, all right? We Fair got enough. cigarettes under our ear. Uh, I told everyone to, like, grow, like, a goatee. I, I grew a goatee. Juan <laughs> was really hard because he's European. Uh, the Italian guy, guy, you know, he, he, was, he was, like, he had a beard. Yeah, he had yeah. a beard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so... Uh, so we walked in, we walked in, and they didn't card us, they didn't check us anything. We went up to level three, and we just sat there from like eight o'clock to like 10 o'clock until the music started. And then we started, and then when we started, the music started, this is our first time in, in like a nightclub kind of a thing. We've mm. snuck in, we've never done this before. We've only seen it in movies. We don't know what to do. So what we do is we get drinks, we get drinks, uh, and they were expensive. <laughs> and, the, and then and we, but we, we, we saved up for it. So we had an up. We got smashed, and then we got on the dance floor, and it was just these four high school students who were 17 years old who have no idea how what a nightclub is supposed to be like, and we're there still. Everyone's dancing and having a good time and moving to the beat and the music, and we're there still, like, just jumping up and down and acting like idiots. Being crazy. Yeah. Sounds good. But I hadn't been forgotten, I'd I'd been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? But I hadn't been forgotten, I'd I'd been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? who moved to Australia when he was 13 years old with his family, trying to come out here and immigrate, but was forced to live as an illegal immigrant for 15 years. Now, it wasn't until you were 28 that you actually became an Australian citizen. Wow, so long ago. I mean... (laughs) But, I mean, God, you're you're being all jovial and jokative about, which is only natural of a comedian, but, I mean, it must have caused some level of anxiety and discomfort for you, right? Yes, it did. What Mm. would you like to know? Well, just describe that feeling for us, like, because it, it's such an intense time, but you're making it seem like a fun journey, and I'm sure <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, so, uncertainty 
was really, really, really bad for me because I'm not really good with uncertainty and like the lack of security and knowing what's going to happen that, you know, I like to have, you have to have some kind of consistency. Everyone has some kind of consistency in your mm-hmm. life. You can have a lot of change happening, but there's one thing that's cons- that's certain that is there. It was really hard to find something like that when we were during that period. And um, like, I think a, a lot of it was, um, you know, when we when we didn't have a visa, my dad would do like a lot of, we couldn't work. We didn't have a working visa, yeah. so we would be hiding. So my dad would do like a lot of cash in hand jobs. So yeah, he'd yeah. cut grass for old ladies, you know, and he'd do it really cheap too. And I used to go out and help him. And um, and I don't know. I think this, the the yeah, I, it's really hard for me to like talk about being sad without trying to make it yeah. funny. Uh, I think, but <laughs> that's but, fair enough. That's where you where you dealt with it, I guess. But I mean, that that is an interesting point, though. You know, like not being able to find work other than cash in hand work. Like, I mean, that in itself, like just. Most people in Australia do that because they're trying to dodge the tax system, but you guys were doing that because or you they, yeah, yeah, literally they, would have been deported otherwise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had to like f- find ways to do it uh, and work wherever we could. And, you know, it was it was all right. Like, you know, in the summertime, we'll make a lot of money, but then in the wintertime, it would be really bad. No one cuts their grass in winter, so we'd have to like wait, wait, <laughs> wait, it, wait it out. But like, it, it was like, so all right, if you want if you want something serious, then when my sister was, when my mom was pregnant with my sister, mm. uh we didn't know, and my mom wasn't sure if she wanted to have the baby mm. or not, you know. Uh, this is something my daddy told me that when he was drunk, uh, driving me home from school. <laughs> so he's drunk, he's driving me home from school, we stop at the lights and he's like, oh, mom's pregnant. I'm like, oh, yay, high five. Uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah, but she's not sure if she wants to keep it. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm like 16 at this time. He's like, well, because, you know, we've been here for so long and nothing seems to be happening with the visas mm. and it looks like we're not gonna get it. He's not. She's not sure if she wants to, you know, have the baby and like have to put that baby in that situation. And what if we don't get our visa? Then we have to go back to Fiji. And then we got like a, a baby growing up in Fiji in that situation. Mm. And she wasn't too sure. Like my dad wasn't too sure if my mom, you know, and my mom was like, you know, me personally, like I've always wanted a sibling. Like I've been an only child, you know, my whole life until until my sister came along. And I did a lot of talking to myself. Mm. And uh, it, <laughs> you know, and so yeah, I talked. I'm imaginations. But it, I always wanted to have like a little baby sister or baby. A, a, a sister or brother to play with anyone you know yeah. I felt I would, would have, so I went to my mom I was like you know mom it's your decision you can do whatever you want but please you know just have the baby just have the baby you know I, 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 I'm really bad at like debating you know so I, like, I kind of sounded like I wanted a pet you know I was like just have the baby just have the baby I'll feed it I'll clean it I'll walk it um, so uh, yeah my mom thought about it and she actually wanted to have the baby as well uh, so she ended up like she decided mm. to have my sister and it ended up being the reason why they got to stay so well it's pretty good isn't it yeah yeah and well, like I said my sister knows this she has like the biggest trump card out of, <laughs> yeah. and, and a loving brother by the sounds of it <laughs> now look the next song Johnny Cash I can see clearly now why'd mm. you bring this one on uh, this is when my parents got their permanent residency. When I got my permanent residency, it didn't feel like I got my permanent mm, residency mm. because I was still hiding my parents. And when I got my citizenship, still it didn't feel like I, I got I got I got it, you know, because it was like it felt like it felt I felt guilty for 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 like being happy about it or celebrating mm-hmm. or enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And when my parents, when they got their permanent residency, uh, I remember like my dad, you know, he's not a very emotional person, but he like started jumping up and down and was happy, he was hugging my mom, right? And when they got their permanent residency, it kind of like, that's when it all kind of sunk in. The, 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 the actual calmness, this, this calmness in your head just went, this hit you and it was just so clean and clear. And just the, like, you know when you're a little kid and you come home from a really busy day at school and then you sit in front of the TV and you turn it on and the Simpsons used to come on? <laughs> and be like, the Simpsons come out of the clouds, the Simpsons. <laughs> and you get that <sighs> feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got that feeling. So this this song, like, it was that feeling. Like, as soon as 
when we got that letter and it said that your permanent residency has been, your application has been approved and you you know you can permanent residency you can go get your passport stamp it was the <sighs> kind of a feeling and uh, yeah it was it was pretty nice time it was like the, it was the sweetest uh, happiest I think my whole family as a collective group have ever been. can see clearly now the rain is gone I can see all obstacles in my way Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind It's gonna be a bright, 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 sunshiny day Gonna be bright, 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 sunshiny day. I think I can make it now. The pain is gone. All of the bad feelings have disappeared. Here is that rainbow. who moved to Australia with his family when he was about 13 years old, but was forced to leave as a, live as an illegal immigrant for 15 years. Now, beyond all this craziness that we've been talking about, and obviously, a glaringly obvious thing that you would have experienced, um, given that Australia is, let's just be completely honest about it, fairly bloody racist. What was your experience being you know, half Indian, half Fijian when you, when you came out here? Mostly it was like, where are you from and why is that? And when they, when they ask you where you're from and I'd say Fiji, and they're like, Fiji? There's Indians in Fiji? <laughs> and then you'd have to go into the whole, yeah, the British brought us over there and all the things. And um, a lot of, i say the only, like the racism I got was like sweet racism, like ig- <laughs> ig- ig- ignorant racism, you know? Because yeah. like they come up to you and they'd say something and they'd be smiling or they're laughing mm. and you're like supposed to go, <laughs> Did it almost make you feel like 
they're actually stupid. And so you just smile and laugh at them. You're like, yeah, you're an idiot uh, or whatever. You know, I've been ignorant about certain things that I got educated about. So I saw them as like, you know, not so much as stupid, but just like, you know, they haven't had that experience yet, which makes them go, oh, this is not okay to say, or this mm. is going to upset someone, you know? Like I went, I went into, uh, I did a, a thing for Channel 7 uh, when I was an illegal immigrant. And uh, I went to uh, this, it was a, what do you call it, a TV spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the guy that I did it with, he's a great guy. He ended up putting me in a short film later on with an Indian accent but anyway that, but, uh, but what, like he was like I, I did I did, I, he put me in the short film he gave me the lines and I did no, the lines and he was like can you do the you're kidding can you do it a little bit head wobbly and you're I was like what do you, what do you mean head wobbly he's like no 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 I'm like alright alright fine uh, <laughs> so, but I was his best friend in the short film so uh, you know it kind of that's what I mean about yeah, sweet yeah, ignorance yeah, yeah, yeah. you know so yeah. that was pretty cool um, but yeah when I went to, when I went to do this thing I was an illegal immigrant my mom was like don't go do it the government's looking for us but it was like a TV gig that I'd gotten very early on and wanted to do and when I went there the host who I ended up working with on the short film, he, his, his name was Ben. He was like talking to me and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I have a friend who's in who's a Fijian Indian. He's a lawyer now. He lives in Melbourne. I, I haven't seen him for a while, but I love him, you know. Yeah, you you remind me of him. And that's actually why he put me in the short film. Mm. But he goes, yeah, uh, you know, and then we're about to roll. He's like, oh, just because we're about to roll the cameras. He goes, oh, hey, I bet you're an illegal immigrant. Hey, you're an illegal oh, immigrant. Oh, eh? oh, the, hey, the, the cars are outside. They're coming to get you, you illegal immigrant. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that is so intense. No, I mean, and also uh, at, at my shows, like I, I'll have shows where I'll be like, for me, for me, the, the racism part, like uh, it really made me feel like a sense of belonging, mm. if that makes any sense. Because I, I think mm. in, in Australia, for, the way I worked it out in my head was like uh, when you're getting it so much, especially in high school, but everywhere else when you get it, you kind of like desensitize to it, but you're also trying to make it work for yourself. So I thought I, my viewpoint was like, you know, all the white people here came here. By you know, or everyone else that comes here comes here. The indigenous indigenous people that are here have been uprooted so much that they don't even relate to where they are. So when someone tells you you don't belong here, that's kind of their way of making you feel welcome in a place where nobody feels like they belong here. If you really go down to the roots of it, so I don't know. Um, but it's yeah, a fascinating, fascinating. Yeah, way but then I said that to one person. I said that in my show once, and then I said to the audience afterwards, "You can just come up and be racist to me. I don't mind." You know. Uh. And this guy comes up to me. He goes, he shook my hand. He goes, "Welcome to Australia, you black bastard." And I, it was great. It was great. <laughs> So I loved it. So yeah. So is it way of like for you, I guess, turning it on its head and really just, I mean, obviously being a comedian, you kind of have to do that. But like, I mean, where do you think the value in that is, I guess, moving forward? I think the value in that is that, okay, for me, it's like when I go and do like a, uh, a gig at like Newtown or uh, someplace that is very left, you know, I'm kind of like, Preaching to the converter, like mm, I, I, mm. everyone's really nice to me. They're really friendly. They're up for it. They're really getting into my my jokes. You know, they're clapping when something poignant is being said. It's different when you go out to like a rough Western area or like a, a pub gig uh, yeah, that's yeah. you know full of like you know right wing or not right wing, but like you know very like a conservative thinking kind of mind mindset kind of people. Mm. You know, and I love it when I get in there and I see these guys and they're like, oh, blah, 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 and I get up there and I make them laugh. You know, because like when I make them laugh, I kind of like completely destroy their argument. You know, because they're like, <laughs> I hate illegal. Im- I like this guy, but I hate illegal immigrants. Yeah, I hate, you know, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So so I love I love that going into that situation. Like it's kind of like I think in my head it's kind of like a shield and a sword. I just go up there and I'm like, I'll make these guys <laughs> laugh. Just make them laugh, and you know, and yeah. So so that for me is like the shift point because if you can. Make I think relatable. If you can make yourself relatable to those people who see you as an outsider, then you all of a sudden you barriers. become part of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You c- they can't go to their neighbor and go, oh, "This, this, this," because uh, yeah. uh, subconsciously it's it's uh, against what they have just experienced. Yeah, they like you. Mm. Now, look, moving on to the music because we're running out of time, unfortunately, very quickly because it's this such a good so yarn. But look, the, the the next song you got for us, we'll play a little bit of is "I'll Be There for You." 
what I mean what's this one about it took me a long time to find uh, this song is for me is like I, it took me a long time to find a group of people that I could uh, be myself around and I think it's really important for everybody to understand that you don't have to fit into a certain kind of group or mm-hmm. be a certain kind of way you know I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm brown and I'm here I'm from Fiji I have a Turkish name all that other stuff but it, it doesn't mean that I have to hang out with brown people or this, 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 this I have a very collective amount of friends and the friends that I have they, I feel safe around them. I can be myself around them, and and I don't feel in a, and I think that's really important for anyone to understand. If you are, if you have people around you who are who are like putting you down or making you feel bad just to make themselves feel better, or if you feel like you have to do so many things just to fit into that group and it's causing a lot of anxiety, that's probably not the best kind of situation. There are people out there for you who are gonna be your friends because of who you are. And okay, this sounds a little bit <laughs> of a wank. But it's it's really important to have people around you who make you who who you can bring you up. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 good to have stability with with your people. Like you can I, with these my group of friends with the people that I have around me. I can be myself around them. Mm. I can mm. you know, I can feel safe. And you can and take your arm off. You can just be you. Exactly, and it's really important to have that. And if you don't have that, you have to find that with people that you can have that with and cut the other ones out of your life. And this is what that friends. This is what this song is about. But 
You've been listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio. My name is Serge Negus. My guest today has been the amazing, lovely comedian, Remit Bali. He moved out here with his family when he was 13 years old and became an illegal immigrant. Pretty crazy stuff, really. Now, you know, you're a touring comedian. You've done shows everywhere and you're very well received as well. I mean, what are you up to now? What are you pursuing most with your career? Right now, I'm working on a new show that I'm going to hopefully take around the festivals next year. So Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide and Sydney, and also working on a podcast that I'm doing with a couple of friends. Uh, again, people who I feel comfortable around, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, so working on the podcast, hopefully it'll come out late September, working on a, a, a show, working on just improving my club sets, because mm. I want to travel more and do club sets, because it's great to have a festival show, but it's also good to have like a, a set amount that you can take around just for like uh, on one night and go to like a, a you know, a out of place town or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so working a lot on those things and, and working on a, having like a good relationship with my sister. That's awesome, man. And I mean, when it comes to your shows, can you paint us a little bit of a picture of what you're going to be addressing most in your next show that you're working on at the moment? It's actually it's uh, going to be a lot with my sister. Uh, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because like, she's grown up here, so she's got that yeah. perspective. And I've grown up in Fiji, and that's mm-hmm. my perspective. And then coming here, and it's like just being really grateful for everything while she's just like, oh, I hate this, right? So just having that contrast, I think, would be really good because like, if I just come up on stage and just start saying, oh, this is awesome because back in Fiji, da 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 da, da. It kind of, I think my sister gives a really nice viewpoint for people who be like, you know, who are immigrants who are born here. Like, okay, then you, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but like, who who are like, who are like, children of immigrants who are born here. If, if you're, if you're, if you're, okay, if you're yeah. not white and yeah, you're yeah. born here, or if you, even if you are white and you're born here, but your parents are from somewhere else, this kind of like, is a view perspective of theirs and then and then and then my one so it's like a nice little jointing thing rather than me just like going oh this is this, this, this. yeah 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 well, mate i can't wait to see it when it comes out last song though we've got to get on to michael jackson they don't care for us why did you choose this song i chose this song because uh when we were like you were talking about being serious when we we're like in the, in the, <laughs> in the this is pretty much when we we're uh, there was like nothing okay so a couple of times we were like it looked like nothing was going to happen. Mm. We were going to have to go back. It was we were just hiding. We are going to have to go back to Fiji eventually. And it was just hopeless. It was really, really hopeless. And you just you just wonder why, why, like, they don't just give you a chance. All you want is a chance. And, yeah, you did it not the right way, according to them, uh, you know, because the right way you know, is the process. But then, like I said, you have people who pay someone to marry them and come here. And mm. it's just, it's just not the right way legally. You know, yeah. there are so many avenues and, and that other people take. So just not being able to be given a chance, not being able to be able to say, like, you know, give me a chance. I'm, I'll prove myself. I'll do, I'm, I'm worth it. I, not that I'm worth it, but I, <laughs> I really do my best yeah. for, to fit in, to not to fit in, but to like, to do the best. Okay, fit in and make it, <laughs> like, you know, just, just, know, be. just, just be, just do it right. Just, you know, I'm a, you know, you're a good person. Uh, so, so this song was kind of like when we're in that situation where like we're being told no, 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 you're going away, and then after like so many years, so many rejections, you're in that point where there's no chance of anything ever happening again, and you just like you feel so let down, and and you feel this way, like so yeah. So I picked that song. I mean, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Up next is lunch with Brady Tanner. So stick around for that. Big thanks to my producer Nicole for helping us put this one together, and I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for having me.
FBI Radio 94.5. Thank you. 
ride's over, we got some tickets to see that.